needs to get a what's it called? Oh, a therapist because college kickers are going through a lot right now, man. Like they're missing field goals, they're missing game winning field goals or game tying field goals, and it's just it's not good for the mental health. You still have school and all that, so. Plus, you have the fans booing them. So I think you need to get some therapist on site for my kickers, man. Like, it's got to happen. Listen, I was watching the BYU versus Baylor game. And let me tell you, the game was great. Like, I love the game. But, oh, man, the kickers. (sighs) Poor guys, man. So the BYU kicker goes out to kick the game-winning field goal. 32 yards. And we're thinking, oh, it's over. Well, he misses it. So we're going to overtime. It's a tie game. So we're going to go to overtime. That's awesome. We'll go to overtime. Baylor gets the ball first. Baylor gets maybe eight yards, and they're going to kick a field goal. They're like, okay, we'll kick the field goal. The kicker misses the field goal. And so you're like, oh, that's awesome. BYU's kicker. He's going he's gonna to get himself up, and he's going to hit the game-winning field goal after missing the game-winning field goal. So it felt like BYU was settling for the field goal, which I don't think was the smart move. I felt like they should have attacked and scored the touchdown because that's easier than kicking the field goal. And it came back to bite them because they send out their kicker, and then boom, he misses the kick as well. So three kicks missed in three straight drives and i'm like oh man and then they went out byu in the second overtime scores to win the game they scored on their first possession by or excuse me baylor couldn't score so it worked out in their success especially the byu kicker that they won still and the the head the head coach and the quarterback come over and give them a hug and like hey it's okay Calm down, but man, kickers need help. Get them therapists because I'll be honest, it's okay to miss in the NFL. You might get cut, whatever, but in college, when you miss, it's not just that you have your teammates on you. The fan base will attack you, man. They'll come through your throat. It's it's scary being the kicker in college football, man. I don't like it at all, man. It's crazy. That's okay. Now, another thing I want to talk about is going back to the Sun Belt. Like, oh, my God. Sun Belt, folks, needs to be taken serious. I saw some jokes, and it's not a joke, honestly, anymore. The Sun Belt could be like where teams could go to Power Five. Like, why is Notre Dame not in the Sun Belt? Like, Notre Dame could be. I get Notre Dame is like quote unquote better because they recruit, but I mean the Sun Belt, Appalachian State, Marshall, and Georgia Southern all won, all on the road and won. I mean. Georgia Southern goes to Lincoln, beats Nebraska. Nebraska was a 45-point favorite. Okay, that's cool. Appalachian State. Go to number six in College Station, Texas A&M. Go beat them there. Okay, no worries. I'll go do it. Even after Appalachian State had a gut-wrenching loss to North Carolina the following week. So that just shows what Appalachian State is made of. Oh, and Marshall? Yeah, you go to Notre Dame and play Notre Dame. You go beat them. Okay, sounds good. I will. And it felt like Notre Dame also had a letdown game because everyone was like, oh, they're going to get blown out by Ohio State. Well, they didn't. They only lost by 10. And guess what? It was bad. And it was actually 11. My bad. Anyway, they still had the letdown game because they played Ohio State better than anyone thought. So that stinks for Notre Dame. And then my last take is now the rumors of USC maybe being a potential playoff team. Um, let's get this straight. I I like Lincoln Riley. I think he's cool. I didn't like how he did Oklahoma to go away. But it's a business. It's a job. You got to get the money, right? Cool. Um, Caleb Williams is a, is a beast. I just don't think the Pac-12 is built for that. I don't think about it. Oregon got destroyed by Georgia. Utah lost to Florida. USC doesn't have really any competition on their non-conference schedule. So what are they going to do? Like you, The Pac-12 doesn't have that competitive edge. I think the Big 12 gets in. You can see the ACC, SCC. So I just don't see where the Pac-12 comes to it. So that's why USC still outside looking in if you're asking me right now 
Now let's move on to the college football games that you need to watch. All right, there's three games that I have pinpointed for this weekend. Number 12, BYU, once again, on the road to Eugene, Oregon. Oregon is back in the top 25. They're ranked number 25. And I know rankings don't matter to most people, but I still think they're right there. And I think this is a good game. I like BYU to win, but it's going to be close. I think Oregon wants to set a stage and stay at it. Make a statement in a sense because they got beat and they got beat hard by the Bulldogs in week one. I think they want to go out there and say, hey, week one, that wasn't really us. And they're going to go out there and they're going to try to play competitive. And I know BYU is obviously not Georgia, but you still want to have that competitive fight after what happened in week one. The other game, number 24, Texas A&M versus number 13, Miami. The Miami of Florida, the U. Um, Let's get this straight. This would be a way bigger game if Texas A&M didn't really lay down and fall asleep against Appalachian State. And you could say they maybe were looking ahead to this game playing Appalachian State. And that's that's a problem because you never want to overlook Appalachian State. So I want to say this could be a bounce back game. But I'm not there yet. I think the U of Miami might be back, but I'm I'm not positive yet. We'll see what happens. I'm going to stick with the home team here in Miami. Miami didn't look good against Southern Miss last week. They, they played them closely in the first half, first half. They pulled away. That's cool. Okay. They pulled away, but we'll see what happens this week when they have a competitive test against the A&M Aggies. And then the final game, number 22, Penn State headed down to Auburn. Listen, last year's game, phenomenal. It was wide out for Penn State. And let me get this out there. Penn State's wide out has to be one of the top three coolest things that I want to experience in college football. That wide out looks so fun. It puts veins outside your arms. It pumps you up. You're watching the game on TV. You're like, oh, let's go. I'm not even a Penn State fan. I got my white on. Ah, That's how it makes you feel. I would love to experience that. But it's not a whiteout game. But I was just talking about last week, last year's game. Anyway, Penn State has looked good. They beat Purdue. But Auburn's 2-0 as well. So this is going to be a game where I think we'll see how like close it is with the good and the good. Like Auburn's not supposed to be that good this year. We'll see. And we Penn State wasn't ranked, so they're headed down to Auburn. They can make a game like right here and, hey, we're here to compete. We can play with Michigan, Michigan State, maybe Ohio State, but we're in the middle of the pack right now with the Big Ten. So let's see what Penn State can do. I'm going to ride Auburn. I'll take Auburn. I will take Auburn to win this game. So I like BYU over Oregon, Miami over A&M, and Auburn over Penn State. And then I have three upset games. And here's the three, folks. Number 21, Texas, is at home to UTSA. And you're like, yo, who is UTSA, JT? Well, I'll tell you. Listen, UTSA, wow. Um, They went undefeated last year, first off. Crazy, right? Unbelievable. You don't even know who they are. I know. Um, But they lost to Houston in overtime. One of the craziest games in week one. But then they went on the road to Army and they beat Army. So, I like UTSA a lot here. Because Texas is obviously without their starting quarterback. But also, they just had that game. You were so close to being Alabama. It's like that letdown game. You know, my my favorite kind of thing. The worst part for college is those letdown games. Because you're college students. You hang your heads a little too low. Okay. Never too upset is going to be number six, Oklahoma. They head to Lincoln, Nebraska. And you're like, whoa. JT, you're really going to take the new head coach who hasn't even been a head coach for over two weeks and he only had eight days to prepare? Yeah, actually he had six, so we'll see how he does, but I like it. Listen, Lincoln Riley's gone. 
You got uh, Venable coming over for Clemson, the head coach for Oklahoma. But you also have Scott Frost who's gone. And I'm going to say it. Scott Frost was holding Nebraska back. I don't care what people say. Scott Frost was so bad in one possession games, including this one last year when they went to Oklahoma and they lost. They could have beat Oklahoma last year in Oklahoma, and they didn't. Listen, I think Nebraska is going to come out with the new head coach, a little fire under them. They're going to try to prove something like, hey, we are Nebraska, and we are going to make a statement. They go out and they beat number six, Oklahoma. Also, the last one is number 23, Pittsburgh, heads to Western Michigan to play the Broncos. Listen, I'm going to say this. This game is just a throw in the dart for me, but I think it could happen. You know why? It's that it's that favorite saying I like to say, what I said about Texas, let down game. Listen, Pittsburgh played Tennessee last week. Then the following week before Tennessee, they played West Virginia. Both games have come down to the wire. They're exhausted. They're like, okay, Western Michigan, all right, we can take a little break. Now, the problem I do have is... Pittsburgh did lose to Tennessee. If they won, I would be way higher on this game as a letdown. But I'm just, I think they've played two tough opponents. They're going to overlook Western Michigan. But like, like again, you're thinking, uh, do they? Because they did lose to Tennessee. So we'll see. But I do think UTSA will beat Texas. And I do like Nebraska's chance against Oklahoma. They might throw in the dart Western Michigan over Pittsburgh. We'll see. And I, I just, it's going to be fun, dude. College football is back. It's the greatest, man. Awesome stuff right there. All right, guys. When we get back, it'll be time to hop into the pro side of the show with the MLB up first. You're listening to Just Talking Sports here on UCM The Beat. Know someone who's being bullied online? Send the witness emoji. It looks like an eye in a speech bubble and it's in the symbol section near the clocks in your phone. You'll let the world know it isn't cool and you'll let your friend know you care. Learn more about the witness emoji at eyewitnessbullying.org. Brought to you by the Ad Council. I'm a retired school psychologist and helping people was my thing. After my stroke, when Meals on Wheels started, I was on the other end of the stick, so to speak. My name is Julius Gaines, creative writer, poet, photographer. One in six seniors faces the threat of hunger, and millions more live in isolation. Drop off a hot meal and say a quick hello. Volunteer for Meals on Wheels by donating your lunch break at americaletsdolunch.org. This message brought to you by Meals on Wheels America and the Ad Council. Welcome back, guys, to Just Talking Sports here on UCM The Beat. Let's get into the MLB, shall we? All right, let's do it. We're going to talk first about the rules changing come next year, next season, baby. They're doing it. They're finally going to make some adjustments, and it's much needed. Let's first talk about the pitching clock. They're going to have a 15-second pitch clock so when your foot touches the rubber you have 15 seconds to pitch the ball when there's a runner on base you get 20 they're trying to speed up the game because they're finally listening to their fans listen hey this game's getting a little long there's a boring spot here and there we can adjust it let's make it a little faster and keep our audience more entertained because the more throwing pitches the more there might be action with the bat hitting the ball so that's great news another thing i i think this is like one of the most controversial ones 
it's the shifting. I don't know how you feel, but I'm okay with shift. I think it makes it more statistical and strategic. And I like that a lot. So, but the new rule changes, you have to have four infielders and two on each side of second base. So obviously the shortstop, third base, second and first, or I guess you could flip it if you feel the need. Hey, let's put our shortstop on the third base side. I, what, whatever the case is for this defensive shift mechanism, it'll be interesting to see how managers do with it. I mean, I think they would just keep it the same but you never know <laughs> i mean you never know there could be mike matheny out there hey let's uh let's move hunter dozier from first to short and nikki lopez to second so i'm bobby the third bobby from third to first i mean i don't know what mike matheny might do because you never know what mike matheny will do but yeah so no matter what, two on each side of second base. I think it's going to help because then there's not that much time of moving, but it didn't seem like that was causing anything. I think it was more because there wasn't more hits during the game because of the shift. So like Joey Gallo is out there eating a tub of ice cream because he's like, yo, the shift is gone. Like I couldn't hit into it. So I think it's going to help some players, but I don't think it's that big of a a boost for fans in the sake. It's more for the players. And then the last one, they're making bigger bases, which I think is nice. I think it'll help with less, uh, what is it called? Construction, traffic, you know? Like there was a lot of people getting their hands stepped on when sliding into the base. Now it gives them more time to find a way to get to the base, but you won't see as many spin moves or duck unders because you have that bigger base and it'll be interesting to see how much bigger the base will be okay folks now into albert Pujols, the man the myth the legend on the st louis cardinals for his last season he's chasing home run number 700 and i think anybody in the mlb right now wants him to hit it he only needs three more, and I don't think many people thought he would get this close. And so since he's that close, they're like, go get it, Albert. You got this, man. So Albert Pujols needs three home runs in 19 games. So it's it's doable, but it's also like, oh, boy, it's coming down to the wire because you got to remember Albert is still not in that prime. He's on the older side. That's why he's retiring, folks. Now let's get into it. He has three games against the Brewers, six against the Pirates, five against the Reds, three against the Padres, and three against the Dodgers. So that equals up to the games. He also has eight home games and 11 away games. So, huge news. He has eight home games and 11 away games. The bigger question is now everyone asking, do you play him every game? And it helps because you have the DH now. So here's my opposition or telling of how St. Louis should handle this. Hey, St. Louis, if you want to, listen to UCM the beat and maybe listen to me. I'm not the brightest, but I could have something here for you. Listen, if you don't start Albert Pujols, that's cool. You don't have to start him every game, but at least give this man one at-bat every game. Give him a chance to hit one home run because you never know. He might run into one. He might send one to the moon. And I'm telling you, if he gets to home run 700, the whole MLB will go insane. Oh, yeah, he did it. So... I'm just saying you don't got to start him every game. Please don't start him every game. He's not built for that. But give this man at least one at-bat every game. Give him a chance. You never know. He needs three home runs. And if he can do it, if he does it on the road, I don't think anyone will be upset. St. Louis fans just want to see him hit it. They, don't, they would love it if it's in St. Louis, but I mean, hey, if you hit it, if you hit it in uh, Brewer Stadium or you hit it with the Pirates on the road, 
they'll be okay. They're like, yo, 700, Albert did it. Like, let's just try to get this man to home run number 700, please. Okay, folks, here we go. We're going to get into these rankings. And if you don't know what I'm talking about, it's the City Connect jerseys for the MLB. There's 14 total jerseys as of right now. Nike and the MLB have come together with a couple teams, 14 to be exact, and they've made these uniforms so they can connect with the city that they're in. I'm going to go from 14 to number one. I want to go... I think I'm going to go 14 to number one. Yeah, that's how we'll do this. Okay, number 14 is the Los Angeles Dodgers. Listen, the Los Angeles Dodgers Connect jerseys is just the dark blue, and it says Los Dodgers. Nothing really special. You want to see something that will like, ooh, I like that. That just, it feels boring. And I'm sorry, Dodger fans, that this is a, offending but it is boring number 13 chicago cubs another one like it's just what why so boring it's another blue but then it says wrigleyville on it in a lighter blue and i'm just like "Mm, no it's not my taste these are my rankings so it's just not my taste. I would have liked to see a little more in it. Maybe the Wrigleyville in green. I think that would have been really cool because Wrigleyville has the ivy around the fences. I think that would have been really cool. Instead, they just went with blue. And I'm like, come on, man. All right. Number 12, the San Francisco Giants. It's a white and orange. So it's an all white jersey. And then it has the G on the left side and it's like a fog G, so it's like fading out, which I like the font and I like the design because it has that fading out kind of thing. But I'm just like, there could have been more. Maybe if you did the whole like San Francisco or the Giants all across it instead of the G and it was like that fog, oh, I would have loved it. I first loved these jerseys, but after seeing some more, I'm like, oh, there could have been more. Give me more Nike and MLB, just a little bit more. They're number 11. A number, they're 12, a number 11, the Houston Astros, the blue and orange, it's their regular blue with their orange, and it says Space City, get it, because Houston, NASA, yeah, I get it, I like it, I'm just not a fan of it, I'm not, I wanted some more color scheme to it, give me something we haven't seen, and you'll see what I mean as the list goes on, and it's just like, Space City, I like it. It's in a, it is getting the city connected because of the space. But we could have seen more. Just saying. We could have seen more. Okay. Number 10. My home team, the Kansas City Royals. Ah, see? Again, it's just that blue. It's a dark and a light blue. Like a baby blue. But, okay, I will say the design of the font for the letters, the KC beautiful i i honestly love the baby blue and i like the kind of fountain incorporation everyone doesn't know this but kansas city is like literally the fountain city i didn't know this for the longest time but they have so many fountains it's incredible so i like it i don't know i want it i i really really wanted them to bring a black jersey out i know weird but i loved the black jerseys back in the day for the Royals and I just wanted to see a black and so we just kept the blue and it's just like come on give me a different color than what we see now in days with the Royals number nine is the Los Angeles Angels and listen the only reason it's this high on my list or low whatever you want to talk about at number nine is because of the cream color like it's a boring angels nothing special but i love the cream white cream white is such an underrated color and i love they used it number eight the boston red sox here's a team that use different colors than you would think their jerseys are yellow and blue it's all yellow and then boston and blue i love it i think it's great That's why it's so low on the list. It's beautiful. I like it. It's different. Give me something. Capaco. I love it. Number eight. Number seven. Arizona Diamondbacks. It's a gold cream. And it has, and they're using their Spanish heritage. I love it. 
I'm not going to try to pronounce the name that's on it because I don't want to butcher it. But it's beautiful. It's like a rattler snake font. I love it. Rattlesnake, beautiful, incorporating the desert. Number six, the Milwaukee Brewers. This is the only one that I just love because they use the baby blue. I love their baby blue. It's so beautiful. I love baby blue. It's so Ooh, it's a color I love. And the yellow, it just blends in brew crew. Hey, they used it, man. They're the brew crew because they're the brewers. Whoa, dude, brew crew. I think that's what they call their fans. So it's incorporating the fans as well. That's why I like it at six. Number five, it's the mountain green. It's white and then they have this like beige mountain or beige green with mountains. It's like, oh, the mountains of Colorado. Beautiful. Capasa. I love it. It's beautiful. I like it. It's nice, simple, complex, beautiful. Nice work, Colorado. Number four, Miami Marlins. Dude, the red is a standout. Pa -pa, pa -pa. You like it. It gives you the punch. Boom, boom. Mm. I love it. I like the red a lot. I don't care what people say. I like the red. It gives them a different vibe. Awesome. Number three. Oh, baby. Washington Nationals. They got the gray and pink. The blossom cherries are incorporated in the Washington. It's beautiful. I wish they had more of the pink in it because I think it would be higher. It's so beautiful. I love the color incorporation with the Washington Nationals. And number two. Number two is San Diego Padres. They did this, man. And I love it. Listen. I was fighting with one and two right now, where it will go, just because. But number two, the San Diego Padres just felt right. Listen, they've had the, they're the newer ones. So I like it a lot. It incorporates, it's got that teal green, the bright pink. It's like the vice. It's a vice. It's like the skater. It's beautiful. I love it. Incorporation. I love what they did with the Padres jerseys. And number one is Chicago White Sox. And yeah, I've been hitting the bullet. Oh, I wanted something different. I don't know what it is. Maybe it's Tony La Russa in the pinstripes with the black and it says Southside. I don't know what it is, but man, it just fits that team. Hey, we're from the Southside. Let's go at it. We want to win. No one believes in us. I, I just don't know. It's a vibe and I like it a lot. That's the only reason it's number one. And I think they hit the mark with it. They incorporated the city so well with it. That's why it's number one. So one White Sox, two Padres, three Nationals, four Marlins, five Rockies, six Brewers, seven Diamondbacks, eight Red Sox, nine Angels, 10 Royals, 11 Astros, 12 Giants, 13 Cubs, 14 Dodgers. That's my rankings of the City Connect jerseys. Let me know what you think. If you watch baseball, what's your thoughts on the City Connect jerseys? Do you like them? Do you think they were a success? Let me know. Do you think they'll bring them back for next year? Let me know in whatever you want to do. You can you can hit me up. You've got you most of the people that are listening, they got me. I got some socials. It's out there. You can find it. I'm not that hard. Let me know what you think of City Connect jerseys. And when we come back, our final segment of the show is going to be about the NFL and the recap of week one and those overreactions that everyone loves in week one right here on Just Talking Sports on UCM The Beat. Driving has a rhythm all its own. Don't wreck it with a text. Before you get behind the wheel, silence your phone. Or better yet, designate a texter. For more text-free driving tips, visit stoptextstoprex.org. Brought to you by the Ad Council and the National Highway Traffic Safety Administration. Hey y'all, I'm Blake Shelton. I love that country music connects people all over this great nation, but unfortunately so does something else, childhood hunger. 15 million children struggle with hunger in America. That's why the Feeding America nationwide network of food banks works to rescue our surplus food to help provide billions of meals to families in need across the country. Join the fight against hunger at feedingamerica.org. Together, we can solve hunger. Together, we're Feeding America. Brought to you by Feeding America and the Ad Council. I can't believe he found them. He seems sorry. 
We very clearly told him not to look up there. I'm honestly impressed that he was able to do it. Right? What, did he balance on that big chair? Yeah, I mean, I guess he'll just know what his gifts are this year. I really thought we had hidden them well. If they can find their presence, they can find a gun. 911, what is your emergency? Every day, eight kids and teens are unintentionally killed or injured by loaded and unlocked guns. Learn how to make your home safer at nfamilyfire.org. Brought to you by the Ad Council and End Family Fire. All righty, folks. Welcome back to Just Talking Sports on UCM The Beat. All righty, folks. Week two gets underway tonight at Arrowhead Stadium. And as much as I want to talk about the game, we're first going to take a step back. There's a new era beginning in the NFL, and it starts tonight. Amazon Prime Thursday night football, baby. Alrighty, folks, let's get right into it. I want to give you a little background about the color analyst and the play-by-play because, hey, if you didn't know, that's what I want to be once I graduate. So let's get right into it. Let's start with the color analyst, Kirk Herbstreet. You're wondering, hey, do I know this guy? He sounds familiar. You might. Let's look at him. He works for ESPN as the color analyst for their ABC slash ESPN primetime game. Listen, every Saturday night, you turn on ABC, you see, mm, what about Notre Dame versus Ohio State in week one? He was calling it. What a game, right? You turned on the USC-Stanford game last weekend, Saturday night. You saw him or heard him calling the game as the color analyst. He's the one that will give you the insights of a play. Like, hey, go back, for example. He did the game for the Chiefs last year when they played at Denver. Remember Nick Bowen with the mad dash to the end zone after the scoop and score? Yeah, he outbeat Drew Locke for the touchdown. Yeah, he was on the call for that game. So, you might have heard his voice if you listened to that Chiefs game in week 17. Now, the other person I know you heard of, Al Michaels. He's best known for, so far if you've been around, is the NBC Sunday Night Football. He also had the call for the greatest game, the Miracle on Ice, for instance. Yeah, he was the call for that as well. So, he is very well known in the broadcasting booth area. He's going to be great. I think it's a great matchup for these two, Kirk Street and Al Michaels. I say matchup, but I mean a combo. It's like a combo meal. Can I get extra cheese with it? Yeah, I like it. I think it's going to be good. And I like Kirk Street going out of his way. Hey, let's do some NFL this year. So now he's on NFL and he does the college football on Saturday evenings. And don't forget, another place you might have seen Kirk Kerbstreet is College Game Day. Yeah, he's with that crew, you know, <laughs> Lee Corso with the headgear, all-time favorite kind of thing. He's always there giving Corso the, the jabs, the funniness. You know, it's fun. So you've seen Kirk Kerbstreet around if you've watched and followed college football for a while. So I think it's going to be great to see it. It kind of sucks it's on Amazon Prime just because you have to have Amazon prime to see the game but luckily i do have it and hopefully you do too especially if you're a chiefs or chargers fan and you can watch this great matchup tonight at arrowhead stadium now let's get into something great you know what's great after week one those things called overreactions man oh man do people love overreactions they're the greatest the first one i have that i've heard all week long people Banging that drum. It's the Cincinnati Bengals. Listen, everyone's like, did Joe Burrow regress? Is he not that good? What about that offensive line? I thought it was supposed to be great. Listen, pump the brakes, folks. Let's 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 stop a little bit. Let's take a chill. Number one, Joe Burrow didn't play in any preseason games, and it wasn't because they didn't let him. He was rehabbing an injury. He had his appendix worked on, folks. He couldn't play. So that doesn't help. A new offensive line, mostly new names, they're going to have to have time to gel. Remember last year, the Kansas City Chiefs had the same problem in the early work of the season. Their offensive line wasn't working together, and it led to Patrick Mahomes not feeling safe, and he was throwing the ball, he was forcing it, yada, yada, yada. I think that happened last week for Cincinnati. And the last thing, listen, you're not going to face the Steelers defense every week. Steelers defense is probably top 
three, maybe top two when J.J. Watt is on the field. Now, J.J. Watt is injured, so that's huge for the Pittsburgh's defense. But everyone, let's calm down on Cincinnati. They're going to be okay. Joe Burrow is going to be fine. Jamar Chase is going to be fine. Hopefully, T. Higgins is going to be okay. He got knocked out in the game. But, I mean, you guys got to calm down. It's going to be okay for the Cincinnati Bengals. Another team you got to maybe pump the brakes. I'm more on the edge than anything. It's the Green Bay Packers. Listen, everyone's overreacting about the offense. I think the bigger deal to me was their defense. Listen, the offense, listen, you can't, you can't, you can't go after them one game on the offense. Yeah, he dropped the long touchdown pass. But guess what? It happens. It's going to be okay. You're overreacting to what Aaron Rodgers does. He's a competitor. He's going to be upset. I know about the last year and how he doesn't trust players, but the defense was supposed to be the main ingredient to this team, and they did not show up. What was the coverage on Justin Jefferson? Like, what are we doing? Putting rookies on him? Man on man? That ain't going to work. And Kirk Cousin was a baller. Listen, I said that the Vikings were going to win the North, and I stand by it, especially after last week, but, dude... Listen, you can't play them the way the Green Bay Packers did. You got to go at them. Play a little zone. Bring a little blitz. You had to rush Cousins, and you didn't. So that's on the Packers' defense more than the offense. And then another one, the Buccaneers. Listen, Buccaneers are not good. I, I don't care what people say. I will go to the grave with this one. The Buccaneers are overrated. They're not. Good. The Cowboys are worse, and it showed. Listen, you're telling me the Buccaneers are good because they beat the Cowboys 19-6. to The only team that didn't score a touchdown in Week 1 was the Cowboys. But the Buccaneers are great. They're awesome. They got Tom Brady. I don't trust that offensive line. Someone needs to tr- test that offensive line and then tell me how they look. I don't trust the offensive line. I think the Buccaneers are maybe a top 10 team, but they're not a top 5 team. That's what all I'm saying. Another one. Chiefs offense will not miss a beat against Tyree Kill. Listen, they're going to miss a beat. I, I don't care what you say. They're going to miss the beat. They're not going to have those long touchdowns. Two plays, touchdown, Tyree Kill. What I will say is this offense is going to look different. It's going to look Better, more smooth, more controlling, more all together. I don't think it won't be necessarily fast paced. Two minute drives, two minute 50 second drives, under five minutes every drive. No, these drives are going to be eight minutes, nine minutes. They're going to take some time off the clock and they're going to look real good doing it. They're going to run the ball a little more, they're going to play us the ball. Pass, not plas. I don't know what plas is. So, Andy Reid, if you know what plas is, tell me. But it's pass. They're going to pass the ball to more receivers. Sky Moore, Juju, MVS, Sky Moore, Travis Kelsey, Fortson. I mean, the whole crew is going to get involved. And that's the problem I think defenses are going to have. Who to guard? You can't just go after Kelsey because now you have MVS and Juju. There's more than two players on this offense now that can make plays. And I think that's what makes the Chiefs offense more scarier than anything is the weapons and the way Patrick is going to throw the ball around to him. Another one. Dude, okay, this one after Monday night is insane to me. Oh, the Seahawks are going to win the NFC West. What? Stop. Pump those brakes, folks. Listen, you hear that train stopping at a sudden burst? Yeah, let, let's calm down. It's going to be okay, folks. The Seattle Seahawks are not winning the NFC West. The 49ers had to play in a monsoon. The Rams didn't look good. And the Cardinals went up against a juggernaut on the Chiefs offense in week one. No one wants to place Andy play Andy Reid in week one. That's it. They got lucky in a sense that they beat the Denver Broncos. Denver Broncos had two fumbles at the goal line. They missed the field goal. And they just got lucky because clock management is not the thing for Denver. Like, what are you doing, Denver? Fourth and five. Why are we not calling a timeout? Maybe getting a hard count. 
I just I didn't like what they were doing. Nathaniel Hackett, I don't know what was happening out there, but it was not good. And now there's a lot of questions for the Broncos. So it'll be interesting. I do think Seattle played their best game they will play all year because Russell Wilson was in town. They were throwing all their marbles at this game. Geno Smith wanted to show something on this Monday night game, not just because it was Monday night, prime time, let me show everything, but because Russell Wilson was across the stage. I mean, this was the best Seattle will look all season long, and they still should have lost to Denver. So let's pump those brakes with those Seahawks. The Rams are raw or washed? What? No. They're not washed, but they're not great. They're not Super Bowl Rams. Let me tell you, Stafford's injured. He's got a weird shoulder. That offensive line is not going to be that good because Whitworth is gone. They got a new center. And then Jalen Ramsey. Jalen Ramsey doesn't look like Jacksonville Jaguars Ramsey or even when they traded for him Ramsey. He's getting a little slower. He might have to play more zone. So I think... They're going to have to play a little different scheme than they want to with Ramsey, and it's going to hurt. I don't think they're washed. I still like the Rams to win the division, but they might not get to the Super Bowl. Other one. The one that I think is the most controversial lookalike, the Colts won't be as good as last year. And this is the thing. Listen, the Colts will be better than last year because of Matt Ryan. Matt Ryan started so slow Sunday that they were down by 17 in the fourth quarter. Then Matt Ryan's like, okay, let me get going. They got it going. They scored 17, tied it, went to overtime. And if it wasn't for Rodrigo Blankenship missing the field goal in overtime, they would have won. Instead, he misses it and they ended in a tie. They didn't lose. They ended in a tie. I like the Colts still. Listen, craziest thing you'll hear. There's two crazy things you'll only hear. How does the AFC South not have a win when two of their teams played each other? Oh, because they tied. Jacksonville lost to Washington, and then obviously the Tennessee Titans lost to the G-Men, the Giants of New York. So I think you can pump the brakes on the Colts. I still like the Colts to win the division, and it showed when even though they didn't win, they're not in second place. So I like it. I like it a lot, and I think that the Colts will still be better than last year. Now, one other thing before we get into my power rankings and my pickums, Kickers, dude. We talked about college kickers. Well, we might need to talk about NFL kickers getting therapists. They went 50 of 61. That's an 81.9% make in the league. The league average last year was 85.1. That's four... Well, in a sense, three, because you can round up to get 82. But that's still 3% down already. you got to chase that. These kickers, they have the leg. It's their accuracy. The leg is there, but their accuracy is off. And the only kicker that I will give exception to, and I will say it right now, I give exception to McPherson of the Bengals for why he missed his. I know it's still the NFL. You lost your long snapper. Long snappers are very important, and it showed in the Bengals game. Long snapper went down, their backup came in. He was snapping it too slow and too high for them. On the PAT that would have won the game for the Bengals, it was too slow. They let the Steelers get around and block it. In the one in overtime, it was too high, and they couldn't get the laces turned out. And when you kick the laces, you don't know where the ball is going to go. It's a duck. People are like, oh, the laces, that doesn't do anything. Oh, yes, it does. And the only reason I know anything about, like, kicking and long snapping is because of my cousin. My cousin was a long snapper, went to Blue Springs in Kansas City. Then he went to college at Virginia Union University and was a long snapper there. So, yeah, it sounds weird that I know anything about a long snapper, but my cousin was a long snapper for eight years. Like, whoo, I kind of know something about it, and it's crazy. They're not just there to put their... Their butt in the air and snap a ball. There's a lot to go into it. And it's crazy because I never knew it until my my cousin was the long snapper. So, yeah, long snappers are very important and it showed in Cincinnati. Now, let's get into the power rankings, okay? This is crazy. I was going to do five and then I was like, you know what? I'll do ten. Let's do it. So, at number ten is the Cincinnati Bengals. Listen, like I said, 
Probably their worst game they'll have all season. The five turnovers, not cool, but they still had a chance to win. They missed a PAT at the end of the regulation to win the game, and then they missed a field goal in overtime and still only lost by three. So I think Cincinnati's going to be great and be fine. Not great. They'll be fine. And it helps when you're playing the Cowboys next and they don't have Dak and Cowboys are bad. So Bengals at 10. 11, the New Orleans Saints. The Saints, once again, I don't know what it was. They started slow. They came back and beat the Falcons because the Falcons choke away double-digit leads in the fourth quarter. It is what it is. I'm sorry, Falcons fans, but they got to figure it out. The Saints got it. I like Jameis Winston. Landry looked good. Michael Thomas looked good. Alvin Kamara. Let's not forget about him. I like the Saints at 9. They play the Bucks this week. Eight, Miami Dolphins. Oh, boy. Two, uh, you're lucky you were playing the Patriots, and you're lucky you're in my list, honestly. But, yeah, Patriots at – or, no, excuse me, Dolphins at eight. They play at Baltimore. I like Baltimore to win that game. Number seven is the Philadelphia Eagles. Listen, Philly looks good. I love Jalen Hurts. I think Jalen Hurts, if he could find a rhythm to throw, he'd be awesome. I have him in fantasy, so I'm a little biased on him, but I love him. I think he's awesome, and I love what they're doing with that offense, the read options, the pass RPOs. It's beautiful. The defense was a little shaky, but the, the, the score was closer than people want to give it credit. Like, the score was 38-35. It was because the Lions scored at the very end. So the Eagles controlled that game for majority of it. Number six is the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. I know. I said they're not good. But you got to give them some kind of credit. They did go to Dallas and win. So I will give them credit there. But I need competition from them. And they're getting it this week. Headed to New Orleans to play the Saints. So we'll see if they're still there. Number five, Baltimore Ravens. I like the Baltimore Ravens. Yeah, they played the Jets and Joe Flacco. But Lamar looked good. He looked really good. And remember, last year he was injured. So I like Lamar and the uh, Ravens at five. Four, Vikings. Minnesota, beautiful. They did what they did to the Packers. I like it a lot. They play at Philly Monday Night Football. Number three, the L.A. Chargers. They head to Arrowhead tonight. Great game. Chargers look good. I'm worried because they only won by one possession, and they caused two interceptions, three interceptions, excuse me. So that worries me. They need to figure it out. They almost chargered the Chargers' way. Number two, Kansas City Chiefs. Listen. Kansas City Chiefs are number two. Yeah, pass from Holmes through five touchdowns. They played the Cardinals. That's the problem. They played the Cardinals. They gave up 21. Not bad. They contained Kyler Murray. I loved it. They won 44-21. Looked great week one. Big test tonight at home against the Chargers. And number one, Buffalo. The reason I have Buffalo above the Chiefs is because of the competition they played. Buffalo went to the Rams and put it to the Rams in the second half. Josh Allen is an alien maybe. I don't know. He's like a Buffalo. The Bills actually got a Buffalo at quarterback. And I still would pick Mahomes over Allen, but the the quarterbacks in the AFC, the teams in the AFC, are so much better than the teams in the NFC. It's incredible. All right, now for my pick'em games, folks. Pick'em games are here. The first game tonight. Listen, Monday, or excuse me, Monday night. Thursday night football. Chiefs, Chargers, battle for the AFC West. Who's going to be on top at the end of this week? The winner will be, that's for sure. Give me the Chiefs. The Chiefs at home? Come on, man. Mahomes, going to do things. Chiefs are going to win 34-30. Here's a key stat for all your Charger fans. Mahomes threw 11 of his 13 interceptions and two high safety looks last season, and he was 20th in percentage completion with multiple safety looks. So the Chargers are going to give you multiple safety looks, Mahomes. What will you do with it? That's for you to decide tonight. My next game, Bucks versus Saints. Buccaneers going to the Saints. I think the Saints win by a field goal. Here's another key stat, though, for you guys. Tom Brady is 0-4 versus the Saints since joining Tampa. They're also negative 9 in the turnover battle, the Buccaneers are. So, the Saints got 9 more turnovers against the Buccaneers since Tom Brady showed up. I like this defense for the Saints. I think they'd get the win. Come on. To the next one. Dolphins versus Ravens. Ravens are going to win this game 31-20. to Big stat for you Dolphin fans. Lamar Jackson is 31-4 and 
when leading at a halftime. He's 4-8 when he's not. So if you want any chance, have the lead at half. But if you don't, then goodbye, you're over. I just don't trust Tua in this game. I like Lamar over Tua way more than people will probably give credit. It's a wide margin. Give me Lamar. Give me the Ravens over Tua in the Dolphins. In the last game, a Monday night football game, Vikings versus Eagles. I like the Vikings to win 30-24. to 24. The, the scariest stat for me in this game, 8-17. And, and you're like, JT, what's that? 8-17. and 17. That is what Kirk Cousin record is in primetime games. So that's the only concern. Will the primetime factor happen to Kirk Cousins? I think not. I think the Vikings will win. The Vikings need to contain Hurts. Hurts was pressured 17 times on 42 dropbacks, was only sacked once. You got to bring him down if you're going to want a chance to win if you're the Vikings. I like their chances to do that. I like their defense more than the Lions. So I have the Vikings winning 30-24. to So Chiefs win 34-30 tonight. Sunday, Buccaneers lose to the Saints 27-24. Ravens beat Dolphins 31-20. And then on Monday night, Vikings go to Philly and beat the Eagles 30-24. to Great games. I like my pick-ems. Let me know how you feel, what you think, all right? It's going to be great. Now, it's time to go. I know, folks. It's sad. I got to go. You hate hearing it. Bye, JT. Bye. I know. But listen, I'll be back next Thursday where we'll look and see all the overreactions were correct, or if they're still looking over, like they're overreacting, you gotta chill. So we'll look at those, and we'll also look ahead to conference uh, conference schedule for all the Big Ten teams, as in the top ten teams. We'll look at their schedule for conference and see if they can slip up where they'll slip up, and then. What else would we be talking about? We'll look one more time and see what Albert Pujols, and we'll see if Aaron Judge has broke the home run record. That'll be right here on Just Talking Sports on UCM The Beat every Thursday, noon to one. Come catch me, guys. I'll see you next time. Bye.